Welcome to the Proto Hack Podcast, where we explore the world of non technical entrepreneurship. Each week, Proto Hack co founders Blake McCammon and Cole Fox interview different non technical founders on the ins and outs of being a non technical founder in the technical world. Tune in to hear advice from non technical founders who've made it, profiles of entrepreneurs who have launched businesses and successfully raised capital, and stories of those who have made the most of non technical skills to achieve success. Hello, this is Cole with ProtoHack and the Non-Technical Founder Podcast. Today we have Ryan Wright, the uh, founder of WrightGrid and also the CEO joining us. Ryan, welcome. Thank Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. So uh, we look forward to learning more about your experience as a non-technical entrepreneur today. Um, So uh, we'll go ahead and get started with our first question here. Um, tell us about your current idea, Right Grid. Um, talk about some maybe milestones you've hit with it, and um, and also how you came up with the idea. Sure. Yeah. So, um, Right Grid, we are uh, and we have developed solar cell phone charging stations for um, outdoor placements in city parks, college campuses, and outdoor shopping centers. Um, we started with the idea uh, as a um, as an idea that came out of my evening MBA program, I was studying at Babson College um, in Massachusetts and had uh, a project which was basically come up with a, a clean tech startup idea uh, as a final potential project option and chose that option, did an initial feasibility analysis and found that uh, you know the issue of a dead or dying cell phone battery was something that just about everybody could relate to and that there was a really big problem around this. Um, so spent some time um, as I was working full-time and taking classes to Moonlight and develop an initial business model. Um, I built a, a very basic prototype with basically off-the-shelf parts. Um, and from there, um, realized that uh, I was not uh, nearly technical enough to uh, to pull this thing off. So that's when I started going and uh, recruiting uh, others to come onto the team. But um, yeah, the idea really came out of that, that college program. Uh, we've been at it since um, March of 2013. We've got, uh, we started actually with um, a focus on temporary installations in um, outdoor music festivals and fairs and things like that. Uh, did a recent pivot to more of a sales and service model, and we've got six units now sold and deployed into the field uh, on college and university campuses. So um, that's kind of a, a little bit about the background and how we came up with the idea. Congratulations. That's great. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely something that I need all the time. I mean, my phone, I have to plan my day and my my. Uh, my life around my cell phone charges in some cases, right. and when you're you don't have it, it's it's uh, it's it's terrible, um, and even sometimes dangerous too for certain people in certain situations. So it's it's a great service you've you've developed, um, and it's and it's a hundred percent solar powered. You don't even have to plug it in. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Yeah. So our stations can function completely off the grid, so they can be um, as long as they have access to the sun in some way, they can place virtually anywhere outdoors. So. Um, it, it makes, makes our, our stations, stations great in terms, in terms of um, costs of installation because you don't have to run electrical um, out to the location. Uh, you don't need to be near an electrical outlet. Uh, you can literally drop these things wherever they're needed, um, whether it be you know in an urban environment or you know long term. We're looking to get these things into uh, the emerging market. So um, 
rural areas in sub-Saharan Africa, for instance, where you've got heavy cell phone usage and limited or intermittency in your access to the grid, um, our stations are a perfect solution for those kinds of uh, those kinds of applications. Yeah, I was thinking about that. You guys could probably get some major grants for uh, a lot of the developing world uh, applications out there, and and really help some people out with some high impact stuff. So that's great. Right. So basically, so basically, you're you've you've created the uh, the ATM for your cell phone power. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Very similar model. That's great. That's that's an awesome idea. Uh, well, cool. Um, so, uh, so yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about um, about how how the technical part came in. So, you said you uh, looks like you went to Babson, which is an awesome entrepreneurial school, um, and then you you developed this idea. Um, you really bootstrapped it. Um, you made some prototypes mm-hmm. yourself. But let's let's talk about that point where you kind of hit that wall with uh, okay, I need some some technical help here. Um, how did you do that? How did you find the right people? What what was that process like? Yeah, so that process turned into just a whole lot of networking. So I um, basically spent my time uh, on Eventbrite on um, uh, Meetup on any group, any online community that I could find to see, you know, what was going on in, in the hardware space, the um, prototyping space. Um, you know, we're right outside, we're located right outside of Boston and Somerville. So um, I was really focused on, on the Boston startup community, specifically the hardware startup community, and just started going to five, six nights a week um, networking events. And over the course of the first three months, I found my uh, electrical engineering lead, who um, has been with me basically since the since the very beginning. Um, and he has been doing all the hardware component selection, building out the system, uh, even writing a lot of the the software coding that we've needed thus far. Um, and that was just somebody that I I happened to bump into at a networking event uh, one night in Boston after work. Um, and who was kind of between jobs, taking some contract work, and was just excited about the uh, the opportunity and, and the product that I was uh, I was looking to build, and so got him on board. And then about six months later, after we developed a um, a better functioning system, you know, on on the hardware and software side, um, but we didn't we hadn't packaged it well, so it was we called it our refrigerator unit. It was just a big. A wooden box that we mounted a bunch of electronics into with some lockers and it worked really well but it didn't look all that pretty so I went off and went through another round of networking to find a mechanical engineering uh, lead who in much the same fashion just five or six nights a week um, any event that popped up in that realm of hardware startup um, I started going to and in the same way I bumped into a, a mechanical engineering a uh, guy who had a day job but was looking for side projects, loved to uh, CAD and, and build in 3D. And so um, he was excited again about the product, about the opportunity. And so he came on board to help us with the kind of industrial uh, design, the aesthetic design of the station, as well as to kind of get us ready for um, for building the station through a contract manufacturer. So it was basically just a whole lot of networking on my part because I didn't know people in my immediate network that would uh, that would fill the roles and the, the skill sets that I needed to make this thing successful. Awesome. Um, well, that's uh, that's great, and congratulations on finding uh, some technical help and uh, 
sounds like a pretty straightforward story for you. You had an awesome product and you got out there and you did some networking. Uh, so, and so, uh, so going back to actually question two here, um, Sure. Tell us about what you do as the non-technical founder. So obviously you were the initial idea guy for this. Um, yep. You built the prototype. Um, tell us about your day-to-day. -day. I mean, are you talking to investors? Are you doing sales? What what kind of makes up your role now? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's ever-changing. Um, so as of right now, you know, we've brought on a sales and marketing director. We actually just starting today, we brought on our vice president of business development. So up until, you know, fairly recently, my, a lot of my focus had been more on the sales side, um, finding customers, um, putting out price quotes, setting up pilots, um, a whole lot of customer interaction on my side. And now we've gotten to the point where, you know, I'm, doing that as well as trying to kind of oversee the, um, the, the technical development as a non-technical founder. So got to kind of split my time in a more, um, in, in a smarter way. And so bringing on those folks that can, uh, focus, really focus on, on the product marketing, on the, um, on the business development for strategic partnerships and, and larger, um, kind of customer deals, um, has been a big emphasis of mine. So a lot of my time as of late has been focused on just recruiting. So how do we find, how do we find people to, to plug these holes, these skill sets that we need in order to be successful? And we found that, you know, over the last six months, we did a really great job of developing the product of, um, vetting it through customers and through end users. But, we were really lacking in terms of, um, you know, we had some customers, but in order for us to really grow this thing the way we needed, we needed to dump a whole lot more effort into the sales and marketing and business development. And so I spent, you know, a good six months really focused on, on onboarding a, a sales and marketing director and that business development uh, VP that now that we have those guys on board, they're really focused on, on taking over that side of the business and now I can go back to um, really fundraising activity, which is really paramount for us now. We're in the midst of, of, of a fundraise. Um, we've been really bootstrapped to date, getting a lot of funding through um, grants and such. But one of the big uh, tasks and the, really the biggest task that's on my plate right now is focused on, on our fundraising activity. Excellent. And, uh, and you, you just said grants. Um, typically, grants are associated with nonprofits or maybe government uh, funding sub mm -hmm. subsidies uh, initiatives. Um, what, what do you mean by grants? Yeah. So because we are technically a clean tech company, as we're using solar and we're completely off the grid, um, especially in the state of Massachusetts, there are grants available to help with the development of such products. Um, and so we've been fortunate enough to um, bring in some low-level grant money through uh, a couple different organizations here in Massachusetts that have helped us um, bootstrap along. Nothing to the tune of, of like the um, kind of social impact kind of grants, but very much focused on, on clean tech in and around uh, the greater Boston area in Massachusetts. Very nice. Um, and then, uh, and then, just getting back to uh, hiring some of your new executives. You said you brought on a, a biz dev uh, guy uh, started today, yep. and then also some other sales help. Um, 
any anything you could color in there on on how you found them? Yeah, so the it was interesting. So th- from all the networking that I had done um, to try to find my early uh, technical employees, um, I was able to find and connect with a recruiter who was a recruiter specifically geared towards clean tech, um, specifically in New England. And we hit it off. We kept seeing each other at the same networking events. And after about the fifth time that we bumped into each other, she said, you know what? I really like what you guys are working on. Um, I, every year I take on one, um, one startup that I want to work with as a pro bono project to help you find talent. So, um, she agreed to, for us to be that company. And so she kind of took us under her wing and she helped me find our sales and marketing director. So she spent about three months vetting, um, vetting potential, um, candidates for that position, um, helping us onboard that, uh, sales and marketing director. And she was really instrumental in that. Um, and then through that same recruiter who I developed the relationship with, um, three or four months later, she said, you know what, I've got this other guy who, um, who I think would, you should at least talk to. He's really smart, really intelligent, has a, a great background and he might be somebody we were actually thinking at the time, someone who would fit into a great advisory position for us, uh, more on, he's got a background on the legal side to be general counsel, but as well as business development. And turns out that he liked us so much that he actually uh, took a full-time position with us as the VP of business development and general counsel. And so, again, both of those um, candidates that we brought on board and are now uh, working with us uh, came about as a result of just kind of tireless networking. Awesome. Getting out there and hustling. That's that's Right, exactly. Exactly. It's it's (laughs) the hustle. Yeah, great. so, uh, so, so your product seems like a great fit for the market. You said you spent a lot of time um, really refining it, which is a very important first step. I think a lot of people um, get lazy. They see a little bit of um, you know success, and they're like, "Okay, we got the perfect product," and then it bites them bites them later. Right. Um, so, uh, uh, could you walk us through uh, kind of the the process, you know, of, of how you got you did user testing and and survey people. Sure. Yeah. So early on, we, you know, we built, I had built my first prototype. Um, we put it out there basically in front of um, some entrepreneurs and, and potential investors. They tore it apart um, and gave some feedback in terms of, you know, the first unit couldn't really charge many phones, um, didn't have anywhere to really have any kind of on station advertising. And so we went back and, and redesigned based on that early feedback to, um, to increase the number of phones that we could charge and to also make the thing a little larger so that we could actually put some uh, third-party branding onto the station. And once we had that second prototype developed, uh, we, I just reached out to a bunch of different uh, music events that were going on, outdoor music festivals in and around Boston, uh, to say, hey, we've got this solar cell phone charging station. We won't charge you anything for it, but we'd love to set it up and, and provide it as a free service at your venue. And so we got a couple of uh, venue organizers to say, yeah, if it's not going to cost us anything, by all means, bring it out. So a um, couple of events, we'd set this thing up out at the um, right at the entrance of the festival, got tons of foot traffic and usage, um, got feedback from both the end users in terms of kind of the 
the user interface, um, you know, the how easy it was to lock up a phone, unlock a phone, um, as well as feedback from the event sponsors and event organizers as to, you know, would you pay for something like this? What, what do you like about it? What don't you like about it? And, you know, from that, uh, just getting it out there, we found that, okay, there, there was definitely a market. Event organizers were willing uh, to have it at the events, but we found as a result of that that um, really the money was to be made either either selling it as a permanent installation or um, finding advertisers and sponsors um, to really make it a worthwhile endeavor. So uh, that's when we had the, the pivot from, from kind of a temporary rental model to a sales and service model um, that was really driven by the fact that we needed to find uh, a way to monetize the stations better than just from a, a straight rental perspective uh, because the, the logistical cost to deploy these things, break them down, set them up, uh, you know, swap in and out advertising, clean them, it just became uh, very challenging for a small startup. And so we did that pivot and then uh, from there um, found uh colleges and universities just reaching out, um, you know, either through, through leads from our website or just reaching out kind of cold calling that we found some colleges and universities that were interested in actually, uh, in buying the stations. And so it was just a, a process of finding wherever we could to set up the stations, get it out in front of people, even if we weren't making money. Um, you know, we did eventually get people to pay us for the rentals of the stations. We worked with Squarespace and Alex Nani and some other big companies to advertise for them. And that's when we really saw, you know, where the money was uh, for these things as an ad platform, uh, but more so in a permanent setting than a, a temporary setting. That's brilliant. That's a, that's a great story about, about how you uh, iterated and, and pivoted and, and did it quickly and effectively. So, mm -hmm. um, and I love the advertising model on there too. It's, it sounds like the kind of places you're, you're advertising it at, you could, you could sell a lot of different advertisements uh, from different vendors. So, uh, so that's right. great. Um, Cool. So, um, so as far as funding goes, uh, I know that's a burning question for many uh, very early stage entrepreneurs. They're always looking, well, how, you know, and wondering how do I get funding? What? How do? How do I think about it? Um, you mentioned earlier that you got some grants, um, and you you were able to secure those because you're a clean tech company. Um, yep. But uh, as far as uh, going for investors go, I don't know. Maybe you were on Kickstarter too or not. Um, but what? What do you think about funding, and, and do you, you know tell us about what you're you're look, you know looking for, and, and maybe any wisdom to share for for entrepreneurs looking for funding out there? Sure, yeah, I think you know as the biggest thing from an investor standpoint is really traction, because at the end of the day, um, if you've got customer traction, that's the one thing that an investor really can't push back on. Anything else that you have that you present the investor with, um, they can poke holes in, but if people are are paying you for your product or your service and you, you're gaining that traction and it's an upward trajectory, then it's really hard for an investor to push back on that. So we went in with that mentality of, you know, we're not even going to go out and try to raise money early on. We spent a full two years just bootstrapping the business uh, with our own personal savings, going after grants, going after um, business competition awards just to kind of keep us going and allow us to keep a really um, 
a really shoestring budget, only do the things that were absolutely necessary uh, to move us forward and just learn a lot, learn as much as we could about the market, learn as much as we could about the, the end user, the customer, our product, our competitors' products. And by doing that, now that we're actually going out and doing a, a true fundraise now through angels and VCs, um, we've developed that, that early stage traction. Um, we've got the, the knowledge base of our, of our market space and where we're looking to go, you know, kind of a long-term vision and roadmap of, of what gets us there. Um, that's probably the biggest, the, the biggest thing and early decision that we made was to bootstrap rather than go after kind of a seed round. Um, and I know that's not always an option for some people, but I think the, um, the longer that you can bootstrap, uh, the, better, the better it looks in the eyes of the, um, of the investor because they see how much you can get achieved with very little or no budget. Um, they see that you can hustle, they see that you can, that you can learn, that you can iterate, and um, that you listen to the marketplace. And so that was that was the biggest thing for us, and the biggest piece of feedback I would give to an advice to others uh, looking to, you know, launch their startup is just do it. Don't worry about, um, you know, going off and raising five million dollars or a million dollars right away. Just figure out a way with very minimal budget to to get a product out there, get it in the hands of a potential customer and user, and and start to learn and go from there. Awesome. Yeah, I was I was reading uh, Venture Hacks the other day, uh, one of the old blogs from AngelList, and, and one of the things mm-hmm. they were saying about pitching is uh, traction speaks louder than words. Kind of that take right. of action speaks louder than words. So, uh, so yeah, you said it right, um, and, and it's solid advice. So, uh, so great. Well, thanks for sharing that, and best of luck with your, your funding, uh, whether it's from VCs or angels. Um, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up with the last question. Um, so, you know, the, as you can probably see there, it, it just kind of a, a wild card question, but one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, just based on our conversation is, is, um, you know, have, have you found any mentorship? Um, uh, have you looked at any accelerators? Um, and, and, and if so, what's your experience been with those? Yeah. So we've, um, <laughs> We've been involved in several accelerators. So um, we've been involved with the Butler Venture Accelerator, which is Babson College's accelerator program, kind of as I was coming out of my MBA. Um, that got us some really great exposure. We had a, um, an angel investor who was matched up with us as our mentor through the program. Um, so that was hugely um, beneficial for us really early on. Um, we also, I undergrad, I went to Northeastern University, so they have an accelerator program, the Northeastern Idea Accelerator. We went through that program. Uh, Thai Angels, uh, the Indus Entrepreneurs, uh, known as Thai, uh, they're a worldwide organization, and we were um, a, a semifinalist in their um, accelerator program back in 2013. Um, so we got some, we got a fair amount of mentorship through that. And then probably the biggest program that we've been affiliated with has been the Clean Tech Open, which is a clean tech accelerator program, a national program um, where we won the, uh, the Northeast. Uh, we were one of four winners of the Northeast division and went off to San Francisco back in the fall for the, uh, the national competition. So the accelerator programs have been hugely helpful for us, especially as 
boot, a bootstrap startup just in terms of getting access to mentors. Um, the accelerators are great at both giving you generalist mentors when you're kind of early on. Uh, and then as you have very specific needs that pop up, uh, connecting you with those uh, specific resources, those specific mentors who, um, you know, if you're dealing with an issue of building your sales pipeline or sales channels, getting you into contact with someone who's got 25, 30 years experience doing just that in some of the industry sectors that you're looking to get into, or you're going to fundraise. What do you need to know about fundraising? Talking with um, other mentors who are either out fundraising now or who have done it in the past or who are uh, angel or VCs themselves. So the the accelerator programs are tremendous at uh, making connections to mentors. And then through a lot of those programs, we've held on to those mentors and continued the relationships. So some of those mentors are actually on our advisory board um, and one who's a potential investor. Um, so there's just uh, the, the access to mentorship is hugely beneficial through these, uh, these accelerator programs. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, cool. No well, just to wrap things up, um, uh, do you have any anything to share about maybe what you what made you want to become an entrepreneur? Maybe anything, any personal aspects of you that you know keep you motivated, keep you happy. You know, entrepreneurship is not an easy thing, as we all know. Um, so, right. anything anything you'd like to leave uh, the, the our podcast listeners with. Um, yeah, I guess it would just be, you know, kind of the, the motivation that got me um, into startups and the reason why I wanted to start my own startup was just the fact that I, I was busy working for, you know, a typical nine to five job. Um, you know, I was making pretty good money as in uh, decent uh, business sectors. But at the end of the day, everything that I was working towards was, um, you know, achieving someone else's vision, achieving that goal for somebody else. And, I really wanted, I, I figured, you know, if I was going to be dedicating this much of my my life to something, that it really should be my own vision and uh, and something that I was passionate about and that I had control over. So I made the shift largely because I wanted to, I wanted my actions to have an impact and I wanted that impact to be um, something that I was truly passionate about and that, that I had the control over. So I think the, that's one of the greatest things about being an entrepreneur is that you have that that ability to to achieve your own vision for for the future and you know being successful with that it's it's all in the eye of the beholder uh, you kind of dictate what your um, what your um, measures of success are based on based on your own journey but I know just the amount of learning that I've done since I, I struck off and and started this business has been, you know, tenfold in the last, you know, year and a half in terms of the learning versus the the prior five years I had in corporate America. You just you learn so much more, you learn it so much faster, and you're just exposed to things that you otherwise wouldn't be exposed to in that corporate environment. Awesome. Looks like you uh, went to Babson College. Uh, I'd love to just learn what what prompted that. Sure. Yeah, actually, I was um, so I was working for a big government defense contractor right out of college, uh, undergrad, and part of I was in a rotational leadership program. Part of that program required me to get uh, either an MBA or um, a master's in science, 
And uh, so I decided I wanted to do an MBA. And I, at the time, um, wasn't aware of Babson, but through my my search for an MBA program, discovered Babson um, through a coworker of mine who was in the program and absolutely fell in love with it. So um, with my employer paying for my education, I went nights and weekends to, uh, to Babson to, uh, to get my MBA, but really focused on entrepreneurial classes, startup classes. And basically as soon as I was done with that program was ready to uh, get out into the real world and start my own business. Exciting stuff. Well, excellent. Ryan. Um, anything else to add or should we go ahead and uh, close things up? No, I think that's it. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. I'm glad we had the opportunity. You as well. And just to, to wrap things up, go ahead and give us the best way to uh, get in contact with you and your elevator pitch for Right Grid. Yeah, so you can reach us. Um, our website is www.rightgrid.com. That's Right Grid with a W, W-R-I-G-H-T, uh, G-R-I-D.com. And, uh, you know, with at right grid we're developing solar cell phone charging stations that uh, can be easily placed in the city parks college campuses outdoor shopping centers to provide free and convenient uh, cell phone charging to the public and create uh, high visibility high traffic advertising um, placements for our customers so through the uh, the technology that we're developing we're looking to uh, help move and uh, displace some of that power grid need off of the grid to uh, renewable energy sources.